Well, welcome to the Speak With People podcast. My name is Jason Reitz. I'm so excited that you are joining us today. We believe that healthy communication is oxygen for your relationships and your leadership. So whether you communicate one-on-one to a team from a stage or from behind a screen, I really hope that our time today encourages you, it inspires you, and really it challenges you to breathe life into your world with your communication. Well, today I'm so excited for this podcast interview. We live in a world, kind of my perception, is that people are lonelier than ever before. Uh, Yet, we have amazing opportunities to be incredibly connected. Some of us just aren't taking advantage of it. So how important are social connections? Uh, Does it rate high in your list to connect with people? Do you stay far away from potential connections? Would you rather connect online? Are there benefits? Is there a healing that can happen in your life? when you're connected with other people. Well, on today's episode of the Speak With People podcast, we had an incredible conversation. I'm so excited to dive in about this incredible and often uh, underestimated healing power of social connection. And so today I'm excited to introduce a new friend. I've been following his podcast for a while now uh, because I've just been so inspired uh, from it. I can't wait to talk more about his podcast, but I just want to welcome Chris Miller to the Speak With People podcast. Thank you so much for being here, my friend. Thank you, Jason, for having me. I've been watching your stuff, so it's cool. We have the Speak With People and then the Talk To People podcast, meaning we both focus on people. I love it. I love that. I I, I won't. I can't forget when I first found your podcast. Actually, I did it. My son, Zach, found it. And he's like, look at this, like another people kind of podcast. And <laughs> right. I was very excited. And I dove in and I'm like, wow, this is like truly and legitimately your podcast has blessed my life. Like absolutely um, love it. Helped my, my relationships, my connections. So appreciate all you do. Of course. Thank you for sharing that. Because as you know, whenever you create content, sometimes it's hard to know when things are paying off or working. We can look at the analytics or we can look at a comment or two, but whenever people share things like that, that means a lot. Absolutely. Well, hey, before we hop into the conversation, wondered if you could, you know, give our listeners, our audience, just a little bit about you, your story, who you are, what you do, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I my story begins in Oklahoma, Northeast Oklahoma, Tulsa. Uh, right outside of Tulsa, there's a town called Broken Arrow, which is not the small town that it sounds like. It's about a hundred thousand people, but I grew up there. I was the baby of four kids. So as if you ever study family communication, they say that the youngest charms and disarms. So (laughs) I really figured out how to talk uh, amongst my older siblings. They were all bigger than me. So the only way that I could ever make an impact was going to be by what I said. So I went to school, University of Central Oklahoma, and I studied communication there. And this is where I began interested in public speaking because I was an RA and I got to lead meetings. And then I went into college ministry and I got to start to lead maybe some student development messages. And after that, I went to graduate school at Wake Forest University where I began to teach public speaking. And that kind of paid my way through the graduate program. And this begins kind of the story that I'm currently on. I work for a couple tech companies in front-facing roles. It was the first job I was in the supply chain as a representative for two corporations. And then I joined the federal tech space and I'm a federal consultant traveling. But it was uh, my whole thing was I traveled too much. Actually, I was on a plane every week. I traveled over 200 nights each year. 
And oh. yeah, after a while it adds up. So yeah. I left my job and there was one thing I always wanted to do and that was start a podcast. Mm. Now, <laughs> you don't get into podcasting to make money, which <laughs> I'm sure that you have noticed. So we <laughs> saved up a little money and podcasting has also made way to podcast production and helping other people out. But the whole point of this podcast and the message that I feel called to share is life is better when you talk to people. Mm. And I want every piece of content that I make to encourage everyone who listens, everyone who reads, anyone who subscribes to connect with those around them and to know that they play a part in the social world and that they can make a difference. Wow. That is so good. That is so good. <laughs> I love that. And isn't it great when you get to that place where you can clearly and effectively with confidence communicate what you're yes. about? I love and it. It takes like, a while. Yeah, it does. You, you wrestle everything. You're, it's like, feels like everything's coming against you. You've got a yeah. list of like 17 things and then you just, you slip right into it. Yeah. I always said, I want to build a podcast and I want to talk to people, but I don't know what to talk to them about. And I read this, I'm sure, I know you're having some cool guests who all probably talk about studies like this, but there's a longitudinal study called the Harvard happiness study. Mm. And it looked at, it's like 300 college sophomores and it started about 80 years ago. And they looked at, it's a longitudinal study, so they studied them over time. And over eight decades, the leading finding from this study is the biggest indicator for a happy life is by having great quality relationships. Mm. So I see that and I'm like, okay, relationships matter. And then after COVID, the APA, the Bureau of Labor Studies, Cigna, like the insurance company, and then the American Perspective Survey. So four different points of data. They did a whole bunch of research on social isolation and the negative health impacts of social isolation. So I start to read that and I'm like, all right, Harvard's telling me it's important to have relationships. Yep. These four points are telling me it's bad for our health if we don't have relationships. So then I start seeing this thing about the loneliness epidemic and the friendship recession. Yep. And, and how we are spending more time alone and more time in the digital space. Uh, and, and all of this kind of came together and congregated in this space to where I'm like, okay, there's something that we need to do about this. And the cool thing is we all can do something about it. Like mm. all of us have different social batteries and capacities, but if we push ourselves to full, then it's going to help all of those around us. That idea of pouring over, like our social fitness will pour over into other people's social fitness. Uh, wow, that is uh, profound. Before I, <laughs> before I jump into that, because I've got some questions for you. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of my uh, dear friends uh, who's partnered a lot with Speak With People, a graduate of Wake Forest, so he'll be very excited when I tell him, you know, nice. I talked with... Uh, Wake Forest. What was that experience like teaching at the college level, you know, working on your graduate degree? Was your graduate degree in communication? Yeah, it was. So I did undergrad communication, grad communication. It was cool. The cool thing about teaching public speaking, and I'm sure you've seen this, in the classroom setting, it, you have 16 weeks. So people come in, they're required to take this class. So some people will be super seniors. They pushed everything off because they're so scared of public speaking. And then you have the freshman that comes in who doesn't 
they didn't pick their schedule. They just happened to be in public speaking. So a variety of people, but you quickly begin to notice naturally people are a bit more comfortable up there. And naturally some people are a bit more uncomfortable up there, but the general characteristic out of all of them is there's a lack of personality when they get up front and they're in front of everybody. And one of the coolest things that I saw was on week one, I didn't know what their personality was when they were up there. But week 16, I'm like, oh, that's who you are. Ah. And it goes to show how important practice and repetition is for public speaking. Because initially, we're just thinking about not messing up. Right. We are making sure we don't stumble on our words. We land the plane. We get the hook. Yep. But after a while, we start to think, oh, I can make you laugh or you laughed. I'm going to go back to that, make you laugh again. Or yep. I can tell you didn't like that point. Maybe you didn't understand that reference. I'm not going to make any more of those. So seeing that personality bleed through was so cool. And then being able to see my students on campus and then they go to the NFL or the NBA or the MLS. And you're like, I taught him. <laughs> you see an interview and you're like, yes, some of those public yes. speaking skills. So important. Yeah, my wife, I met Annie. She was also a teaching assistant at Wake Forest, and we taught two different classes. So her and I, we will watch like sports leagues because Wake Forest is pretty good. And we'll be like, okay, I didn't teach him. Did you teach him? And it's cool when one of our students is yeah. doing something cool. Oh, that's fantastic. That's yeah. fantastic. I, do, I don't have that experience, but I do have the experience of going, oh, if, if, if you just communicated a little bit better, like, you <laughs> yeah. know, you know, it'd be great. It's trying to say that in the most non-judgmental you know, right. possibility. Because totally. these athletes, right, are shoved in front of microphones and, yeah. you know, it's a, it's a fascinating deal. It is fascinating. I'd be curious how you give that feedback to like corporate executives, right? Because Obviously, they're hiring any public speaking trainer or coach or anything like that. They're hiring you for a reason. Right. And they need to get better. Right. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I, I found a Harvard study that talked about, you know, typically uh, leaders who invest in their public speaking skills uh, average are promoted, you know, given more leadership opportunities, you know, greater wow. than those who don't just because even if you don't communicate all of the time in front of people, even that little bit of investment, what I see is their confidence will be boosted. Yeah. They're ready in a team meeting. You know, a lot of times people are like, don't call on me, don't call on me. But public speaking teaches you how to think on your feet. And they're right. like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm ready to be called upon, you know, tell me like, let, let, let me talk, you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's it's fun to be able to get in there because a lot of times you you either face one of two groups of people. One is the person who's like, "Hey, I'm kind of being forced to do this. I'm actually pretty good, you know. You're gonna yeah. find out." Uh, which we've all been there. I mean, my 20s, I thought I was the greatest communicator in the history of history. Right. Uh, or you're in the other camp where you're like, "I'm being forced to do this. I d this is so uncomfortable. I don't want to be up there." And then there's a little sliver of, you know, group of us who love communicating. That's like, I, I want to get better. Like, teach me how I can, you know, get better. So yeah, to be able to walk them through, I typically look at like six different categories of their upfront stage and 
presence, you know, and so we kind of just yeah. talk through those. So yeah, it is, uh, it is a blast. My, my dream world, I never finished my master's degree. So I'm an yeah. MBA dropout. Uh, and, um, in my dream world, I finished that and then someday I'll plug in somewhere and just teach, uh, public speaking, you know, intro to speaking, all that kind of stuff. Just be a blast. Oh, at a university. Yeah. I would love that. Wow. I would just love that. Or, you know, awesome. just my years of working with students, I would love, I mean, if, can you imagine if a 15 year old, you know, 13 year old, 17 year old learn how to communicate at that age, just the trajectory of the success they could experience. Deadly. I mean, it's, it's just, you know, we've, uh, sorry, soapbox. We've got so many great questions to get to, but we force all of this stuff on kids. You know, I was not academically, I, I was not the strongest. So, you know, math, those kind of things, but you put me in front of a group, you know, all of a sudden, you know, everybody wanted me on their team because, you know, when you know how to communicate something. So being able to find those kids, let them use that gift. Oh, just, just a terribly important. Yes, it is. And I want to say that it would be cool to be in a university doing that because the structure's there, the infrastructure, you get to be a teacher, professor, but it's also cool knowing that you're creating content that could help people. Mm. The hard part with both you and I is whenever we're at a university, people have to come to our class. They have to watch right. our stuff. Right. Uh, whenever we create our own content, that's the hard part, right? Is finding the right audience. But I see YouTube channels, yeah. for instance, I don't know if you've seen this one, Charisma on Command. And it's this group of people and they unpack certain things and they deal with all different types of things. And so, some of those videos are different. I haven't seen them all, but their whole thing is talking about charisma. So it's cool that their content can teach people things outside of the school. Yes. But there's okay. merit too. Absolutely. Oh. I love yeah. it. I love it. So going back when you're talking about social fitness, like I, I love mm -hmm. this term. I love this idea. Like mm -hmm. dive into that just a little bit more for us. How can this, you know, just unpack it a little bit and then how can it benefit us, you know, if we're socially fit? Yeah. So the term originates from that Harvard happiness study. Robert Waldinger is the current chair of that program. And it was a metric or a variable, or let me think of how they coined it. It, it's a sliding scale, just like physical fitness or financial fitness. And there's also this idea of their social atrophy, right? So if our COVID was a big example of this. So Adam Grant, the psychologist writes this article that says, expect to have a lot of awkward conversations after COVID. And the reason being was because we were so away from social dynamics and being challenged socially that all of the muscles that we've built, they go away because we didn't use them. Just yeah. like your bicep or your tricep, right? You have to work it out. It gets bigger. You're able to deal with more weight. You're going to feel more confident and comfortable. So social fitness is pushing yourself to that point to where you're growing socially. And this will require you to talk to people. It'll re require you to think about your relationships more, mm. to think about the questions you're asking, to think about the importance of story and conversation and how you can tell better stories. Yeah. How can you solicit better stories, right? How can you be more of an active listener? So all of these are components that go into 
building our social fitness. Mm. Now, when we find ourselves more socially fit, what we're going to recognize is we're more capable and just about everything else, right? I often say on the podcast, relationships are the priority. Mm. We need to prioritize our relationships. Right now, I'd say a lot of the people who I, the field I came from in the tech field, the goal is either your title, like if you can move from account manager to sales executive, high five, and then it's your pay, right? right. If you could get some stock options or if you could get $20,000 in addition to what you're making. But it's really hard because everybody's moving everywhere. You right. could work, you know, like I was working for Cerner or Oracle, which is a really big tech company. And then you can move to Apple and Microsoft, but you're constantly moving. You have no community. And what you find is if you prioritize relationships, that social support and your ability to become more socially fit, it's going to help you obtain all those other things that you want in your life, mm. but you're going to be a lot happier. Wow. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And and sometimes it's where it's the reverse of what we're thinking because we get into the climber phase and we're like, I'm going to do this on my own and I've got to, you know, yeah. I've got to get there. And <laughs> yeah. When we legitimately step back from that, I mean, it's just, it's just crazy how Dale Carnegie's book, How to Win Friends and Influence People, is still so relevant 100 years later. Yes. Where he just basically and says, what, do exactly what you just did. Become great at active listening. Help other people succeed. Don't make it all about you. <laughs> yeah. And there's a reason why it's still relevant, because humans, we don't change that quickly. Like, our mm. opinions change. and the general public, our opinions on things change. Like at one point, free speech used to be more on the left side of the house and now it's on the right side of the house. And like that things change, but our actual like evolutionary biology, our nervous system, that doesn't change. And we'll find ourselves, this is a big thing when we talk about loneliness. This is something I reflect on often is the reason why we are so discontent or we find ourselves unhappy is historically we needed to have people around us mm. to survive. We had to have our group of 60 people, the hunters, the gatherers, every person had their role. Together we'd coordinate, we'd support one another. If we were left alone, our fight or flight would kick in. We'd be able to see the light shift a lot quicker because what it meant was we had to fight for our life to get back to the group. Yep. And now, whenever we find ourselves alone and we're watching TikTok and I'm on Xbox Live or whatever it is, our body begins to get back into that moment. And there's an interesting study by John Cassiopo. They call him Dr. Loneliness because he pioneered a lot of this research. <laughs> but they did a sleep study and they found that people who were very lonely in a very lonely season of their life got poor sleep because they woke up often throughout the night, just as if they were back in the day waking up by themselves to make sure they didn't get eaten by a saber-toothed tiger, right? It's that same wiring that's still active. So yeah. whenever Carnegie's writing, be a good listener, it's like, that's going to stand true for a long time. Yeah. 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 So 2023, you know, we are, we are dictated by these things. Right. You know, the different generations, it, it, it's no longer the older generations were like, you younger generations on your phone all the time. <laughs> right. Everybody's on their phone. So yeah. why do you think people are 
they're so fast to kind of go to some of those, you know, either digital relationships or just that relationship with their phone on their own. You know, you just talked about that. They're lonely and they're on their phone. You know, why do you think they do that? And, and, is, and really, is it all that bad, you know, that they have that? Oh, that's awesome that you added on that point there. Because <laughs> the general consensus is it's bad. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot, there's a lot of reasons why people would say that. But then there's also some interesting research. Jeffrey Hall, he's at the University of Kansas. He does some really cool research saying maybe social media isn't that bad if you use it right. Mm. So let's start there. We have two different ways you can use social media. We call it active and passive use. So our passive use is when we're not interacting with people and it doesn't lead to any potential of social interaction. For instance, passive use is scrolling the TikTok for you feed or reels yep. or being on YouTube and going down the YouTube rabbit hole. So that's passive. Another way that you do passive use is just on Facebook where you like everybody's stuff and you see what's happening in people's lives, but yeah. there's nothing that is no constructive being done between you and another person. But then there's active use. Like I use social media actively so that you and I could connect mm -hmm. so that you and I could get to the point today where we're having this conversation and we get to create content that's going to contribute to people's lives. Social media did that. Yep. So. If you can actively use social media, there's something there and it is, it could help your relationships. If you have a friend that moves away to Thailand for a year or someone studies abroad, or maybe someone gets a job and they move to the other side of the country, that doesn't mean the relationship's over. And really with relationships, the hardest part is initiation and mm -hmm. intensification, getting to a point to where you actually feel those social benefits. Mm -hmm. the, Easy part that not a lot of people talk about, but we should think about more is relational maintenance. It's not as sexy. It is not like dumping someone or coming up with a pickup line. It's everything in between. Right. And social media, digital communication helps us with relational maintenance. So we need mm -hmm. to lean more into using social media to maintain what we already have. And in order to do that, we have to actively use it. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's powerful. That to, is, yeah. To go on about why though, I think one reason why is the friction. Mm. If we think about our modern day society, we have people delivering Chick-fil-A to our door via Grubhub. So let's start at the beginning of our day and think about all of the potential opportunities to interact with somebody. So we took one away there because we're no longer interacting with the drive through person or the person at the cashier. Right. Then we go to the store and we do self-checkout. So, okay, we're no longer interacting with that cashier. Yep. We do our virtual Zoom meetings, which is helpful because we get to do it from afar. Right. But we're no longer interacting with the person who's at the front desk. We're no longer interacting. And if we continue to stack all of this, it's up in convenience, but down in all of these moments to interact. And yep. it begins to get to this point that's frictionless. Yep. And frictionless means easy. Mm. And naturally, we don't want to do the hard things. So we're going to continue to find convenient ways to run our life. And we're going to continue to find ways to avoid what's difficult. 
But social fitness, just like physical fitness, just like mental fitness, there really is no shortcuts and yeah. it's not going to change. Like you've seen the commercials, take this to get the muscle or do this thing to get the muscle. And really the way to get the muscle is to exercise, to diet, to change your life. Yep. Same thing with talking, same thing with social fitness. We, we won't be able to do it unless we're actually talking to organic people yep. and then doing like prioritizing it. Yep. So I would say people are on their phones a lot because it's frictionless. And then the more we get adapted to friction, the more difficult things seem. Right. And it's like almost rewiring our brains. I mean, yeah. it's just, it's just fascinating. Uh, my uh, mother is an autism assessor and so she's deep in the world of autism and we have a nine-year-old son with autism and it's fascinating to read the research about, you know, especially autistic kids, you put a device in front of them and it's almost like everything settles down for them, wow. um, you know, but for, you know, other people, it's like, oh my goodness, we're being re you know rewired i talk about it a lot with our public speaking you know we live in a world now where the average attention span is just shrinking and shrinking and shrinking and shrinking and so we can't waste any seconds when we step up in front of people or when we you know we present uh so with social fitness with social connection walk us through you know for the person listening to this who's like yeah that's all well and good but i'm not a people person right i don't like people i don't want to people today Walk yeah. us through just some of those in incredible, I know, I know we've talked about some of the incredible benefits of doing that, but maybe some totally. steps to start taking to just say, okay, you don't have to like walk into a party and know everybody, but here are some steps to take to push yourself to be a little less frictionless, you know? Yeah. So for the person saying, I am not a people person, I hear you. I have been there. And I also will encourage you by saying you're not alone, one. And two, you are a people person because mm. being a human being means you're a people person. And yes. to get anything done that is of meaning and of value, you get to work with people and you get to do with people. Now, that may be exciting for you or it may be depressing for you, but that doesn't mean that it's doom, gloom. It's going to be okay. It's going to be good. The benefits of being socially connected far outweigh the mm. convenience of not being socially connected. The biggest way to start is by thinking about it. So us as content creators, that's our biggest action item is we get to bring things to people's awareness. Right. You and I, we can't go into the house and take the Oreos off their kitchen counter and take the orange juice away and say, you're drinking water and you're eating apples. Like, we can't do that, but we can talk about the importance of being healthy. Mm -hmm. And right now we can talk about the importance of being socially fit. So if you think about it and you begin to frame your mind and your day and is what I'm doing helping me? Another way to look at this, and this is like a thought pattern that I know people use with different problems, but think about what your life would be like if you had no meaningful relationships in it and no one you can trust. Mm. what it looks like is it's quite sad a lot of your life doesn't have highs and lows because you don't have anybody to share it with as far as action items go there are a lot of different things people can do and the first thing is to think about it the second thing is to assess take an assessment mm. where in your life do you feel loneliness there's different types of loneliness you have your intimate loneliness this is when you lack 
uh, close confidant. You lack that best friend. You lack mm -hmm. that romantic partner. There's a mutual uh, partnership of trust that mm -hmm. you don't have with many people, but maybe you lack that. Maybe that's something you need. Or there's relational loneliness. This is when you lack a group of friends. You want to have that social support, that social companionship. Imagine the sitcom of Cheers, where you get to walk into some place and everybody knows your name. Maybe that's what you lack. And then the last thing is this idea of uh, collective loneliness. Now, collective loneliness is where you want to be a part of a network or a large group of people that share the same interest or purpose as you. People find fulfillment in church through this. People find fulfillment maybe in the Rotary Club. You want to see good done for your community. Yep. Maybe you work with the Children's Miracle Network and you want to help kids who are in your state fight cancer, right? Like there are a lot of different ways that you can get plugged in, but you need to figure out what you need personally. And then once you identify that, then it's like drawing the sketch map. How do I right. break into it? What does it look like? Wow. Wow. Yeah, those are great. That, uh, that, that's fantastic. That gives some really clear next steps for some folks. Uh, we, we have a little bit of time left. Let's talk about empathy for a second because, yeah. you know, so much being connected with other people, you know, empathy is so important. It's kind of a key ele element in building some of these connections. What if people struggle with empathy? You know, I mean, sometimes mm -hmm. we just think empathy is just feeling sorry for someone. That's not empathy. But, you know, uh, kind of walk us through why is empathy so important in these social connections and what can we do to kind of deepen, deepen that? Yeah. Sherry Turkle, she's, I don't know if she's currently, I'll, I'll, we'll have to fact check, but at the time she wrote this book called Reclaiming Conversation. She was mm. an MIT professor. So she was around cutting edge technology, individuals who are always thinking of the next new thing. Mm. And at some point she puts her foot, foot down and she says, this may be great. Just like we were saying, this may be more convenient for our society but I don't think it's gonna help people relate to others well. Mm. So she starts this research project called the Empathy Diary. And she goes to schools and looks at how people interact with one another on the playground. Wow. Part of this also was talking to teachers, asking them, hey, how are your kids getting along with one another? Are there conflicts? What do the conflicts seem to be about? Is it typically one person? Is it spread out throughout the whole school? And the teachers would say, it seems like there's this lack of empathy. And that's what led her to coin it the Empathy Diaries. She talks about Twitter and how on Twitter I could be like, Jason, you're terrible at fantasy football. And you may read that and be like, oh, man, I really identify as someone who's good at fantasy football. And then you may scrunch up your eyebrow and yep. your face may turn red and you may have a tear. But on Twitter, I don't see that. I just see this random guy like my tweet and I'm like, oh, okay, th that was funny. But if I were in person, I could actually see the phenomenon, like the physical reaction. And whenever I see you scrunch up your face, I'm like, okay, that hurt him. Mm. And naturally we're going to feel this way. Like, oh, I don't think I should have done that. Yep. And it's a feedback loop. Whenever we say something and someone smiles and they laugh, it's a feedback loop. Ooh, I need to go back to that joke. Mm. Right. That really worked well. Now, whenever we say something and it upsets somebody, like, oh, maybe I shouldn't do that. And this feedback loop is how we get to build empathy. And the reason it's so important is if we can't 
understand what other people are going through, then we truly won't be able to relate with them and live in unity with them. And if we live a life without having those meaningful relationships, then it's really going to feel a lot more hollow and empty than it could or than it would if we were people of empathy. So empathy is dangerously important. I think that there's like so much research going into it. Have you had anybody on to talk specifically about empathy? Because I'd be interested in looking at their like body of work. Yeah, we have not yet. So that's yeah. a great that's a great question. And I wrote I wrote that down as you're starting to talk. I'm like, okay, we should, you know, because I th I think just from my outside perspective, looking at the world in 2023, it feels like you know people's empathy meters is just you know shrinking and shrinking. And I don't know if it's yeah. because we're colder. Because people are so, so harsh online nowadays. I mean, we not to pick on politicians, but, you know, our sure. whole thing is like speak with people, not at them. Right. I don't know if there's a politician I follow that I don't feel like they're like speaking at me, you know. Right. And right, they're right, right. throwing their opponent under the bus in just awful ways. And so I don't know if it's, we're just, you know, we're we're just numb because we've we see communication at such a poor level the empathy is just shrinking and shrinking and shrinking you know even in my trainings when i you know do banks or companies you know we talk a, a lot about empathy and i think for some it like raises an eyebrow like why does this really matter well because of yeah. what, what you just talked i mean it's incredible if we can see other human beings in a positive healthy way you know we'll, we'll all experience more healing more health if we're in this together you know yeah Understanding social psychology, human behavior, it is, I know a lot of people talk, like whenever you graduate, you always have the department, the career and professional development department, always saying the most important thing employers want is communication. Yes. They want people who can work with teams. They want yeah. people who can, aside from whatever the goal or whatever the subject matter is, to be able to coordinate. And that's everywhere. Everyone's yes. saying it. And yep. the more you can understand like how people work, how people will react, it's going to benefit you. There's uh, one, one last thing I was thinking of with empathy. An additional way to look at empathy is we can be higher in empathy whenever we understand ourselves more as well. Mm -hmm. So if you know who you are and you understand why you react to certain things, it's going to give you more data to yes assess other things. And one way to do that, it's funny because I talk about loneliness a lot. Social isolation is whenever you are without the social connection that you need. Mm. But there is voluntary social isolation, which is also looked at as solitude. And solitude is whenever you spend time on your own, but you're content with that. Mm. And what that allows you to do is reflect. It gives you emotional clarity. You can get to know yourself a little bit better. You also will get closure on things maybe you haven't processed. And wow. we can see this also in the flow state. So if you find yourself in a flow state and you've been working for three hours, nobody was around you, but you never felt lonely, right? Because right. you were mentally engaged. You were content with the way your time was being fulfilled. So with solitude and getting time by yourself, you get to know yourself better. And then when you plug yourself back in, then you can understand people even mm. better. So. It's funny because with like social connection and with social fitness, a lot of the times it's go talk to people, go out there and get in the middle of everything, show up to new events, which is yep. great. But 
You also need to be sure that you're spending time on your own to reflect so yep. you can be higher in empathy and be a better person whenever you need to be. Oh, that's so important. That's so important. Chris, you have just given us such great wisdom. I mean, I mean, not, not to just, you know, blow smoke here. You, you really are brilliant. Like this is, uh, this is fantastic. Like, I just appreciate you pouring out your heart and I know this is going to help uh, a ton of our listeners. It helped me. So I, I appreciate this. Before, absolutely. before I let you go, I just want to do some rapid fire questions. Come on. Let our listeners kind of. I love rapid fire thing. questions. Love it. Love it. Okay. <laughs> we talk a lot about speaking on this podcast. Uh, it's one yeah. of the forms of communication. Do you have a favorite speaker? You know, a development person, a guilty pleasure person, you know, somebody yeah. that you're just like, oh, I just every single time I, I could listen to that speaker. I have I have a few, but I'll mention one and some people won't like me for it. But let me just say, aside from anything political, Barack Obama was one of my favorite speakers. Mm -hmm. I studied him in graduate school. The reason being is he's really good at nuance. And he's really good at explaining how people are very different, yet we also have a lot in common. So if you see a lot of his speeches whenever he was running for president, he touched religion, race, yeah, economy, like everything. And yeah. it was all very interwoven. And he's a really good writer. He was writing books before presidency, but he's one person who stands out to me for a particular reason. And then there's other individuals who also stand out to me. but. Yeah. Let's keep it rapid. I love that. I love it. Is there a podcast, you know, either on the development side or guilty pleasure that you're like, ah, oh, this podcast just fills me up. I got to recommend it to somebody else. Yeah. So I'm going to cheat, do two. Okay. One is Ali Abdal. He does the deep dive podcast. He was a former doctor and he transitioned from being someone in the medical field to being someone in the productivity space. So he has on a lot of different people and his whole thesis is discipline's going to help you get all of your work done. And we have the people saying, go hard, keep doing it. But if you can make things feel good, if you can find things that fulfill you and you enjoy doing, you're going to do it a lot more. Mm. So that's one. And then the other one is Modern Wisdom by Chris Williamson. And the reason why that stands out to me is he and I are wired quite differently. He will be very succinct. He starts off his podcast with a question immediately. Yeah. And he will, whenever his guest finishes talking, he goes to his next question. So seeing that conciseness, I'm the other way. I'm like talking, 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 right? <laughs> so it's good to see someone get good at that. And yes. I want to incorporate more of that. I love that. Okay. Last one. You're not too far from Kansas City. You know, yeah. settle it for us. What If we're coming into town, what is the best barbecue that we've oh, got to man. go? You're going you're gonna to get me... Uh, I, there's no good way to answer this question where I'm at right now. Um, so we have a few. Uh, I'm going to give some honorable mentions. There's Arthur Bryant's. That's where you'll hear a lot of history there. Presidential tours go throughout Arthur Bryant's. It's got a lot of culture. It's really good. Uh, you you got like Oklahoma Joe's. They're really good. They have some good sauce. My favorite, though, is called Jack Stack. Mm. So... When you're coming through Kansas City, go to Jack Stack. If you like burnt ends, they got the best burnt ends in the business. All right. I love it. Well, again, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, before I let you go, is there a place that you can send us online? We'll obviously put all this in the show notes, you know, as well. Yeah. We'd love to send people to the right spot. Yes. So talk to Chris Miller. That will take you to 
my personal page. It'll link you to the podcast and other things that I'm working on or writing. And it's normal spelling. Just talk to chrismiller.com. Awesome. Well, we'll go ahead and link all of that and we'll put it in the Speak With People Facebook group when we, you know, air this uh, podcast and just looking forward to it. Chris, seriously, again, thank you. And uh, you, like you talked about in the very beginning, I mean, social media is how we got connected. I really appreciate right. you reaching out and uh, I'm, I'm so glad you did. And I'm, I'm excited for what uh, our friendship and relationship will have in the future. Yes, I'm grateful that my trailer's hitched to yours because every day I see you're creating new stuff. Oh, look, you have a group here. Oh, look, you have a whole new series here. Oh, look, you have training. Oh, look, I'm like, goodness gracious. So <laughs> I am just going to sit back, watch in awe of all the work you're creating. I'm very grateful to be able to be on the podcast. I know what it's like to produce a podcast. So the fact that you're giving me part of your platform to have a conversation means a lot to me. Absolutely. Well, thank you. And uh, looking forward to the next time because I feel like we just scratched the surface. Uh, and so looking forward oh, yeah. to our next conversation. We did. Hey, I'm looking forward to you coming to Lawrence, Kansas and getting you on the 4K camera. Now we're talking. I love it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thank, thank you. you <laughs> and thank you for joining us on today's episode of the Speak People podcast. We're just so excited that you're part of this community. It really would mean the world if you would uh, share this with someone. Just press that copy and paste and send it to a friend and just recommend uh, the podcast. Also, if you've never joined the Speak to People community group, we'd love for you to be a part. We're developing a community of leaders who all want to elevate the importance of practice of healthy communication in our lives. So come and be a part and help each other grow. Hopefully today you've been encouraged, you've been challenged to do just that. Elevate the importance and practice of healthy communication in your life and leadership. My hope is that you will speak with people and not at them this week. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you next week. Bye.